With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You are watching episode 144 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Today, big show. We've got number four, Georgetown, taking on number 10, Denver. We're going to talk about that game and show highlights. We're also going to talk about my top four candidates that I think really have a shot at winning the Tawarton Trophy. So before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself swag hats, t-shirts, and other cool things as well. So let's dive into it. There's a couple of stories that contribute to the final outcome of this game, so let's unpack those. First, the Hoyas came out buzzing. The Hoyas did come out. They scored two quick goals early in this game. That gives them a lead. That kind of sets the tone, and everyone that's watching is like, well, this is kind of what we expected. Georgetown has been getting hyped up like crazy, but not so fast. From there, Jack Hanna took over, and uh, that was the first key to this game for Denver. Key to their season, really. Jack Hanna needed to improve his shooting percentage. I've been saying it every week, but slowly but surely, he's been kind of showing and has been stepping up a little bit more. In this game, he did exactly what he needed to do. Four goals off just eight shots in this game. Three of those goals coming over the first half, two of them in the first quarter early. His his two goals in the first quarter gave them a two-up tie and then gave them a 3-2 lead early on. So once they got that 3-2 lead, they never looked back from there. Another storyline worth mentioning, Denver, they seem to heavily attack Georgetown's shorties and their midfield unit in general. And I'm not sure if this was a concerted effort to go after their short stick D mids and maybe even their LSM a little bit, It, but it did seem as the game went on, that was what happened. Now, you know, their short stick D mids have played well early. And I would even said Georgetown, it looks like they have the complete picture on the defensive side of the ball. They have short, you know, short stick D mids that aren't giving up a ton of points. A lot of that early on though, I was kind of basing off the box score off uh, what the other, the other team did from a scoring perspective. And that ends up being rough over their first two games where they only give up one goal apiece in those first two games, but they got exposed a little bit here in terms of that short stick D mid unit, and then maybe even an LSM, maybe it's a depth thing in those areas, or maybe it's just that Denver's guys overachieved, but that was worth watching. For Georgetown, it would definitely appear that missing Gibson Smith on the defensive side, All-American defender, you're missing an All-American close defender, and if you don't have the depth to fill, you, you can never replace a Gibson Smith anyway, but you can still play good sound team defense if you have a good defense and a good defensive scheme without that player and Denver or Georgetown they seem to be struggling a little bit in that help defense and I and I'd have to imagine that a missing arguably your best close defender your best cover guy that's going to hurt you missing the veteran leadership that that player would bring to anchoring the defense talking the defense through progressions making sure guys are in position and sliding that's going to hurt and it looked like that was definitely the case their help defense was what did wasn't up to par up to snuff or whatever you would say so that could have been what played into the short stick d mids not having a great outing as well because denver's midfield unit definitely put up some points here in this one and you know that's going to end up hurting over time um 
Owen McElroy is human as well. We've seen the last couple of games. McElroy in those first few games was just an absolute nut job stopping balls at a really high percentage, but we're starting to see that those early games were just against crap opponents for the most part. I think the one that got everybody was St. John's beat Hofstra, and then Georgetown comes out and puts the big hurt, I think 19-1 on St. John's. So I think that was one of those early ones where it's like, ooh, St. John's may not be that bad. They beat Hofstra, who's now a ranked team, but that was Hofstra's first game. But now, in hindsight, St. John's not having a great season after that Hofstra win. So McElroy, I'm sure he'd say that wasn't his best outing. He ends up with 12 saves versus 13 goals against, which for any normal goalie against Denver, you'd be like, yeah, that's a pretty good stat line. For McElroy, he expects to be above 50%. And then you could just see, give him two of those saves, and then all of a sudden this you know, 13-7 game is a 11-7, maybe goes swings a different way. So it's one of those deals where you don't get stops that you normally make. That's going to hurt your defense overall as well. So I think that's at play. McElroy, McElroy will be fine. He's a hell of a goalkeeper. It's just that, you know, him not standing on his head is going to affect the outcome for Denver when they play against good teams like this. Georgetown did well at the faceoff dot versus uh, Alex Stathakis for Denver. He won Stathakis, that is. He won 13 of 24 draws for the Pios. If you told me pregame that Stathakis was only going to just about split the faceoffs, I would have said Georgetown probably wins by a goal or two. I would have I would have expected that this game would have been a little bit closer with that faceoff mix being equal, but that kind of shows you that, that Georgetown's defense is, at least at this stage, not as advertised. Give them Gibson Smith back, and if he's playing in the next the next time these teams meet, totally different story. And keep in mind, Georgetown has a history of losing to Denver in the regular season and then beating them in the Big East tournament later in the season, so that could be at play as well. We, what we saw was one team has been battle-tested and has, has played more games than the other. The other team has played a very weak schedule thus far and was missing their best defender, so all of those things I would think have to play not excuses I mean Denver beat him and Denver was quite obviously the better team at least on this day for sure so not taking anything away from Denver but you can't argue that Georgetown's defense just didn't look good and so far this season more often than not they have looked very good per lacrosse reference oh actually no and then despite the Hoyas high-end close D minus Gibson Smith here the Denver attack duo of Walker and Jackson Morrill they put up three goals and two helpers and four assists respectively Walker was three and two and Morrill was uh, had four assists Walker's goals they all came late so leading up to kind of his three goals that he scored between the third and the fourth quarter he scored two really late like his his last two goals were the last two goals of the game and they came with like three minutes left and two minutes left or something like that he was one and two leading into the final four minutes of the game and then Morrill, all assists. So the close D, they did a good job of bottling up the the Denver attack and not giving up goals, but they gave up six assists to the top two attackmen for Denver. So that plays. And that kind of showed, too, their off-ball play wasn't up to snuff. That, that, that last goal of the game, it may have been to Walker, where he cut across the crease. You could call that the backbreaker, and they, maybe they had kind of – I don't think they gave up, but that was kind of a late-game crap-time goal. But overall, they gave up a lot of – over-the-top cross-field passes to step-down shots and things like that. So they were a little bit soft in terms of getting out on the perimeter and, and stopping shooters when when guys were feeding from behind. And then I questioned one of those assists that they gave to Morrill. He throws it from behind up to, I think it was Simmons on one side, and then Simmons dodged to the cage, and they, you know, they gave him an assist for that. So I wasn't sure if that should have been an assist, but I think that that was credited as one. 
Per Lacrosse Reference Pro, Denver's offensive efficiency has been on the rise since their big stinker that they put up against UNC in their second game. It's actually Denver's defensive efficiency that has gone down, but you'll sometimes see that when you're playing down opponents, your defense defensive efficiency takes a crap because if you're beating someone by a good margin, you end up letting some things up on defense. You end up getting some guys in. So that's not uncommon, and they had a decent outing here against Georgetown in terms of defensive efficiency. But offensive efficiency, they had their second-best game of the year here. They were above, I think it was 40% or so versus Georgetown, and they had kind of – you know, that's a hell of a job against the, the one of the best defenders, uh, best defenses in the country, supposedly, is that you put out your best offensive game overall in terms of efficiency score uh, against that that really solid defense. So that's huge. So that's it. You know, what what's the story from here? Denver is good, and we knew they were going to be. We knew after that UNC just absolute beatdown that that was an anomaly, and then Denver did prove slowly but surely, hey, we're going to win games. So Denver is now, what, 6-2, and two, and Georgetown drops to 4-1, and one, but they'll both be okay. At Georgetown, there is a lot of question around the strength of that schedule, and come the end of the season, how is that strength of schedule going to hurt them, or maybe it will help them? I'd lean into it hurting them. You know, you get into the playoffs, they'll, they're going to make the playoffs because their, their record's going to be good enough. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd assume that they would get in. I would assume that Georgetown's not going to end up going like 10 and 1 or 10 and 2 or something like that and not get into the tournament, even though in, a, in other years that could end up happening. So I think that Georgetown's going to be okay. I think I might have misspoke and said Denver when I meant Georgetown, but I think Georgetown's going to be okay. And I know we know Denver is. So to, it'll, let's watch and see what happens. The next time these guys meet, let's just rip through some stats, though, so you can kind of see what the stat line looked like in this one for Georgetown scoring very, you know, we did not see Jake Carraway tear it up. Denver did a good job bottling him up. He goes uh, for two goals in the game. And then it was like Declan McDermott, two and one Graham Bundy Jr. He's factored in a few games. He had two assists. So Georgetown not. Uh, really all that high-powered offensively. Denver did a very good job bottling them up. And we look at that Denver stat line. Ethan Walker, 3-2. and two. Morrill, 0-4, oh as we said. Jack Hanna, four goals off of those eight shots. That was huge. Alex Simmons, 2-1. and one. Lucas Kotler, 1-1. One one. Ted Sullivan, 1-0. and oh. Danny Logan, 1-0. and oh. So the midfielders got involved for Denver. They played well. More importantly, Jack Hanna played well. Denver picks up a win. That is all huge. Now, let's get into our... To Wharton talk. That's what I've been waiting to do here. I want to talk about four guys that I think have a have a shot at winning the Twarton because I think it's these four guys' race. But I really only think that three of them have a real legitimate shot at winning it. And then all three of those guys, if any one of them are able to lead their team to the national title and win, the award probably goes to that guy unless some of the others tear it up. Absolutely. So let's dive into the first guy I want to talk about, Hofstra's Ryan Tierney. He's kind of the dark, dark horse. Hofstra would have to win their conference. They would have to get into the tournament and advance to at least the second round to even have him, you know, for him to even have a shot. And then he'd have to continue this ridiculous pace that he's been that he's been on here thus far, which is going to be really hard to do, albeit he is very capable, especially with the the, the schedule that Hofstra has. So far in 2021. For Tierney, 23 goals, which is good for 5.75 goals per game, which is first in the country. Then he's also got seven helpers, 30 points over four games. That's 7.5 points per game overall, which is also 
first in the country. This kid's been tearing it up lately. Six goals in their most recent game against Wagner. Eight goals and three assists in their 20-17 to win over Stony Brook. And that's the big thing. In that loss to St. John's, he was the reason they were in that game at the end and forced overtime. And, you know, they end up losing that game. But he ends, I think he was 8-2 and two or 8-3 and three in that game as well. And then he does the same thing against Stony Brook, but except in this one, they end up winning that game 20-17. to 17. So you put up 11 points in a 20-17 to 17 win, you're doing your job. I once put up 12 points in a 20-17 to 17 win over Morrisville, 10 goals and 2 assists. And uh, what I don't tell people is that the defender that started guarding me in that game weighed 300 plus. I roached him for a couple of goals. They put on a a second defender on me uh, who was probably all of about five foot four. He was a hobbit. Uh, I didn't see his feet, but I bet you the tops of his feet were really hairy. And then I scorched him for like another five. So I don't tell people that Morrisville did have a sick goalie that year. So it was fun beating him. But yeah, the defenders that were guarding me were not very good. Juco did not have a lot of depth once he got out of the top 10. So. He's played well. He's played very well all year. Kids played big-time lacrosse in the clutch, more importantly. But alas, Hostra, they're not a team that will assist him in getting seen. And they're now on pause because of COVID. So he had a chance of going into the Dome, getting some primetime action there on the ACC network where people were going to see him play against Syracuse, a top-ranked team. And that's canceled. And it will not be rescheduled, it doesn't look like. So he loses one of those really quality opponents that would have gotten him noticed. If he could have put up nine points, ten points against Syracuse, hey, giddy up. This kid is still in the race. And maybe then we're talking about legitimate chance at winning it. But I'm not thinking that he really does. I think he's the dark horse. And like I said, his team has to weigh overachieve and and make a run into at least the second round of the playoffs for him to even have a chance. He have to be seen and those playoff games would get him seen. This this the group that votes for this award, they want to see guys, they want to vote for guys that are playing for big time teams and big time games and he's just not going to meet that. So you end up having to tear it up like crazy to to get there. Next guy I want to talk about, Jared Bernhardt from Maryland. Um, some put Bernhardt number two on their list. I put him at 2.5. I don't want to call him my third on my list because it's, it wouldn't really be fair to him. He's a hell of a lacrosse player. So I'm putting him at 2.5 here, just a hair behind my number two guy. The best overall dodging goal scorer in this group for sure. He can shake guys, muscle guys, run guys down with speed, and just score goals. Incredible overall athlete, but it doesn't just stop there. He's not just a goal scorer. He can create offense for other people and feed. And more importantly, he's good at letting the game come to him. In terms of efficiency, Bernhardt's a fairly efficient player. He's going to take a lot of shots. He's going to miss some shots because he, he does a lot of dodging and shooting on the run and shooting under duress. But just like Chris Gray, we'll talk about later. He's able to create his own shot and he does it with, with kind of an aggressive anger uh, to it. You know, Chris Gray, Mike Sowers, those guys are kind of finesse Dodgers and Jared Bernhardt, I would call him the angry, the grumpy Dodger is what we're going to start calling him here. I think through the end of the year, 2021 stat line, 16 goals. That's good for four per game and sixth in the country, eight helpers. That's two per game and 28th in the country. And then 24 points overall, which is good for six per game, six points per game, which is good for sixth in the nation lately. Had a monster game in his last outing against Rutgers, six goals and a helper. And then he was five and one in the previous game against Hopkins. The kid is pinging his average. That's key here. You're not, you haven't seen him yet jump out and have a 12 point game or a 10 point game. So like Sowers and Gray have both had, you know, some reasonable games in the area, three or four points. And then they've had their eight, nine point games. He's just been hitting six-point game, six-point game, or maybe a five-point game, seven-point game. He's been much closer to his average across Maryland's 
games so far. So he's been great. He's been consistent. He's he's he played huge in some big games here in the game over Rutgers six and one. That's huge against a, a top ranked team, and and that that win helps Maryland kind of say, hey, we're still king shits in the big, and that's so so being consistent matters being consistent and playing well in big games matters and that's that's just what Bernhardt does it's what Bernhardt has done since he's in Maryland and it is why Jared Bernhardt wears a number one I am glad to see him tearing it up I was afraid we might see happen to him what's happened so far to Dox Aitken where being away from your team in the fall he was trying to play football in the fall that that might play into him being rusty no rust on this kid's game he has played like a monster from the very first game right on my next guy Michael Sowers of Duke fame here, formerly Princeton. He was my preseason pick to win it, and uh, but I still think he's just a touch behind Chris Gray for this. Sowers and Bernhardt, they're kind of neck and neck with, with, like I said, Sowers, in my opinion, having just that slight edge. The most fundamentally sound player that, that we've seen in college across in years can do it all, but quarterbacking, quarterbacking and offense is really this kid's deal here. In 2021, 18 goals, 26 helpers. Those 26 helpers are good for fourth in the country, 3.25 assists per game, 44 points over eight games, and 50. that's good for 5.5 points per game and 16th in the country. Not the high-profile scorer that we wanted him to be here, but he's just starting to kind of figure out his place within this Duke offense, and Duke is loaded offensively, especially in terms of depth of scoring. So just to kind of give you an idea of where Sowers stands compared to others in terms of how much help is Bernhardt getting and how much help is Gray getting compared to the help Sowers is getting. Off the charts. Sorry. I swallowed some ice, or I put some ice in my mouth there, and I had to chew that and in, in, into the mic. So for all you guys listening intently in your headphones, that's, uh, that's going to be unpleasant for you. So to give you an idea, Maryland, they have three guys that are scoring above five points per game, including Bernhardt as their leading scorer. They have five guys above 2.5 points per game and eight guys with at least one point. UNC has one guy above five points per game, four guys above 2.5 points per game, and eight guys with one point per game, and then 22 guys with at least one point. So you see UNC, they're about where Maryland is in terms of that middle of the road, four guys above 2.5 points per game, but they've got 22 guys that have recorded at least one point compared to Maryland's just eight guys that have recorded at least one point. Now Duke, on the other hand, one guy above five points per game, that's in line with Carolina, four guys above 2.5 points per game, that also is in line with Carolina, eight guys over one point per game, right in line in terms of keeping up with Carolina, 28 players with at least one point overall. So Duke is spreading it out a little bit more. Duke isn't, I think Carolina averages about one goal per game more than Duke as well. So he's not filling it up like people thought, but slowly but surely he has been because lately he went one and six versus Jacksonville and then four and one in the previous game over high point. So he's starting to figure out his, where he lives in this offense. And one of the things that he's been doing, which has been ridiculous is the sneak from behind goals that he's put up lately, where he just realizes that I got the step I'm going and I'm going to bury it with no angle. How quickly he gets from that point behind the cage to in front of the cage and unleashing fury on the goalies in very sneaky ways. It's been pretty incredible to watch. So Sowers, he's almost a full point per game behind Gray, but his team relies on him just a bit more. Gray's does due to, uh, or, or relies on him just a less, a little bit less more than than North Carolina does on Gray. 
And then more Duke plays their starters a little bit less. So we're also dealing here with Sowers in terms of him getting, you know, three to f- I don't have an official stat on this, but I would assume if you were to compare their average playing time over the course of each game, that Sowers is probably hanging at three to five minutes less than Gray because Duke is yanking their starters in the first quarter of games and putting that second attack line in. So he's getting a little bit less burn, but overall he has been very efficient and both of these guys' teams are undefeated. So you can't argue with that. Now, my number one guy, obviously, Chris Gray, the odds-on favorite unless Sowers leads Duke to a title and factors heavily in the process. That Duke-UNC head-to-head matchup is going to be big for these guys in determining who's going to be the favorite. So once these teams play, we could see that flip. If, if Duke comes out, beats North Carolina, and Sowers factors heavily, boom you automatically now have Sowers in the driver's seat of that award, but they're going to have to beat UNC for him to take that driver's seat, I think. Hands down, though, if voting ended today, right now, it would be Gray's award. So far, 2021, 28 goals. That's good for five per game, eighth in the country. 17 assists, 2.43 per game. That's good for 22nd in the country. 45 points over seven games. Seven games is good for 6.43 points per game and third in the nation. His last outings, 4-1 and one against UVA in the win over UVA, three-goal win over UVA, and then he was 6-4 and four versus Mercer, which is kind of running it up on a bad team, but it was a relatively close game, 16-6, to six. so he puts up 10 of their, you know, factors in 10 of their 16 points for UNC. Gray, he's flashy, exciting, and overall, he's must-see TV. If you haven't watched him play yet, it's worth tuning into North Carolina just to see Gray operate. More importantly, it's North Carolina just runs beautiful offense. It's pretty fun to watch. But that's why Gray's a favorite. How you do it matters for this award. I've said that before. The reason that Pat Spencer won it for Loyola over Sowers, A, Pat Spencer's team advanced into the playoffs, so more people saw him. B, Pat Spencer brutalized people en route to that to Wharton in 2019, I think is when he won it. Just physical. Beat guys on the dodge, fed behind the backs, dive goals, you know, putting up big, huge numbers. So Spencer earned it. And I mean, right now, Gray is doing what Spencer did in 2019, just in a different way, more finesse and things like that and more flash, but it's, it's been pretty exciting to watch. So I think that everybody would agree at this point that Gray is the favorite, but between that three-man race at the top there, between Bernhardt, Gray, and Sowers, I think that those three teams right now are the three favorites to win the title. And I think the award should end up going to the guy that wins the title. If any one of those three guys wins a national title with their team and then factors and has a good game, I think that you'd have to be a moron not to give the award to that guy. We haven't seen it a lot. I'm trying to think, who was the last national title winner to win it? Was it um, Yale? I think it was probably, uh, what's I'm just drawing a blank right now, on the number two from Yale that won the freaking Twarton. I don't know how that's possible, but... Uh, now I'm going to have to look that up here. But I, I think that the the whoever Yale Tuwaraton winner, this is going to drive me nuts. Ben Reeves. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I he literally I talked about Ben Reeves that entire season nonstop. I was talking about Ben Reeves into the following season, and I could not pull his name out of my data banks right there. Uh, Matt Rambo before him. I think Matt Rambo. Uh, did Maryland win the national title in 2017? I think they did. If they didn't, either way, Matt Rambo won it in 2017. Last three winners, Rambo, Reeves, and Spencer, all of them deserving. And they didn't get it wrong in any of those three cases, at least. So I don't think they'll get it wrong again this year, though. And I think that in the end, if one of those three teams wins the title, it's that guy that wins a Twarton. All right, now I've just kind of said the same thing 15 times over. One other thing. One other thing I want to get out there, 
Men's lacrosse, Doyle, named PAC Defensive Player of the Week for Westminster. And why is Connor Doyle winning the PAC Defensive Player of the Week important to me? Because that motherfucker is a Whitney Point alum, folks. And I'm a big Whitney Point fan, being that I played there. So uh, congrats to Connor Doyle, who literally grew up right down the road from me. He's uh, from Glen Aubrey, New York. I grew up in, my address was Whitney Point, New York, but I lived one mile exactly from the Glen Aubrey fire station. So uh, Doyle and I grew up in the same town. We went to the same high school. He is playing really well for Westminster. He got beat up a little bit in their first game of the year, but he logged a career high in saves, 16, and ground balls, 10, Saturday during Westminster's 9-8 triple overtime win at previously unbeaten St. Vincent. He rakes number two in the PAC this year in saves per game. So congrats to Connor Doyle and uh, to everyone who loves Whitney Point. Congrats to us, too, for getting to talk about a Whitney Point kid here on the podcast. So that's it. I will be back Saturday morning, 10 a.m. for Saturday morning's live stream. 10 a.m. on Saturday, we'll talk about whatever games are about to happen. I think we got some games tonight. Notre Dame's playing somebody. So we'll talk about that Saturday morning, and then we'll talk about the games coming up for the weekend. One change for all of you Cuse fans that tune in is Cuse is not playing Hofstra Saturday at noon. Instead, they are now going to play Holy Cross at 1 at the Dome. So that's the only thing to mention, but we'll talk about that Saturday as well. So that is it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, be a friend, and share this with a friend. And that is all. You'll see me Saturday morning, 10 a.m. for the live stream. Hoost is out.